0: Let's pray. Loving Father we thank you so much for giving us life and other privilege on your holy day to come together and to worship you in spirit and in truth and as we open up your word Lord we are in great need of thy Holy Spirit. Please bless us with grace from on high, that our hearts would be in tune with thy perfect will. Teach us, we ask from heaven, that we may be converted, that we might experience showers of blessings. Please rain upon us the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 28. Isaiah The 28th chapter And we're going to see From the Word of God how we can experience rest in these last days rest for our souls There's a specific way of studying the Word of God that you might find rest for your soul rest for your heart notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 28 beginning in verse 9 we're going to read down to verse 12. Isaiah 28 and verse nine, reading down to verse 12. The Bible says, Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Let's pause. In other words, when it says whom shall he teach knowledge, knowledge is the word of God proverbs 2 and verse 6 there it says for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding so if we want wisdom if we want knowledge if we want understanding we must study the word of God where do we find doctrine we find doctrine in the word of God so the question is being asked who will understand the word of God and God answers by saying them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Those who are humble like a child, humble like a little child that has been weaned from milk, no longer on milk, but you've become a toddler where you can eat some food. And this is those whom God will reveal his word to. You can write down in your notes, Psalms 131 verse one and two. Psalms 131 verse one and two, there it talks about those that are weaned from the milk, are children, that are not proud, are children that are not haughty, that are children that are humble enough to be taught. And God wants us to approach his word humbly so that we can be taught of him, amen? Then it goes on to say in verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. In other words you got to compare scripture with scripture compare one line of scripture with another line of scripture and as these two are discussing the same topic or the same thing as you put the two together you'll find that one scripture explains another scripture then it goes on to say in verse 11 for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing yet they would not hear. So God says this type of teaching line upon line would be the way that those who are weary who come to church and they're not finding any food that are going over here going over there they're looking for rest for their souls. Comparing scripture with scripture is how you find rest for your souls. This is how you find Christ and this the Bible says would be the... how many of you want to be refreshed today? By the grace of God the Holy Spirit will refresh us. Notice what the Bible says as we come to our subject matter in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28 we're going to begin in verse 10 and we're going to read down to verse 15 to start off. Genesis 28 Genesis 28 beginning in verse 10 Notice what it says as we read down to verse 15. The Bible says And Jacob now keep in mind this is after Jacob had deceived his father and his brother Esau was angry with him and his father said go to your uncle's house So you can find a wife. So he left after everything that happened with him deceiving his father and and getting the birthright. Now as he's leaving, we'll pick up in verse 10. So he had left now and it says, and Jacob went from Beersheba and went toward Haran and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place And put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it so here Jacob has a dream of a ladder, and on this ladder are angels ascending and descending on the ladder. Now notice what it goes on to say. Remember, this is a dream. It goes on to say in verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood up above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in and in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed and behold i am with thee and i will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for i will not leave thee until i have done that which I have spoken to thee. So did God give Joseph Jacob prophecy in his dream? Yes, he did. He told him about what he was going to do in his life concerning the future. So God is able to reveal prophetic things in dreams. And God gave Jacob A prophetic dream concerning his future how he would give him the land and through his seed all nations of the earth would be blessed so if as God did it at the beginning of this earth's history will God do it at the end absolutely the same thing will take place in these last days but before we address those prophetic dreams concerning China concerning russia concerning war in america notice what the bible says how god revealed what he told jacob god said the exact same thing to abraham let's go look at abraham genesis 15 genesis 15 beginning in verse 12 going through verse 21 genesis 15 beginning in verse 12 reading down to verse 21 the Bible says God speaketh once yea twice yet man perceiveth it not When God has established a dream twice Whether it's the same individual or different individuals having the same dream. It means that dream is established of God That's Genesis 41 and verse 32 Pharaoh had the dream twice notice what it says Genesis 15 beginning in verse 12, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. So now Abraham is doing what? What is he doing now? He's sleeping, the Bible says, amen, he's sleeping. Notice what happens while he's sleeping. The Bible says in verse 13, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterward they shall come out with great substance and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace thou shalt be buried in a good old age. And in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full and it came to pass that when the Sun went down and it was dark behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those places in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, and the Kenizzites, and the Kadmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephams, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So did God promise to give Abraham the land? Just as he promised to jacob likewise he did to pharaoh and this was at a time where the bible says a deep sleep fell upon abram so god is able to reveal prophetic truth while we're doing what sleeping isn't that amazing where you can see something yet you're sleeping it's amazing it really is when you really consider and Consider the fact that you can be sleeping, but yet you can be revealed prophetic truth. And this is what God did with Abraham concerning prophecy. This is what God did with Jacob. Now, in light of Jacob's experience, it said that there was a ladder and the ladder had angels ascending and descending on the ladder. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 we must allow the Bible to explain itself that we may understand what does this dream mean notice what it says John 1 and verse 51 John 1 and verse 51 the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 51 the Bible says this is Jesus speaking to Nathaniel he says and he saith unto him verily verily i say unto you hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of god ascending and descending upon who the son of man so what does the latter represent or who does the latter represent better yet jesus christ the latter represents christ The latter went from earth all the way to where? Heaven. In other words, God is letting you and I know the only means that you and I can make it to heaven is through Jesus. That's the only way. The only way to get to the Father is through Christ. The only way that you and I can experience eternal life is through Jesus. There is no other way for salvation. So if you see I have on the board I have a ladder. This is a ladder here and the ladder represents Christ. But often most individuals that study that dream, they stop there. They don't go further, but the dream has a much deeper understanding. So now we're going to dig deeper in God's word and find where is this ladder that we may understand the way in which we can climb this ladder. Turn with me in your Bibles. To the book of 2nd Peter chapter 1 2nd Peter chapter 1 now we're going to go much deeper this dream has a much deeper understanding this is just the first level of deafness that we're coming to we're going to take it a step further later on notice what it says in 2nd Peter 1 beginning in verse 4 2nd Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 4 we're going to read down to verse 12 and here we're going to see The ladder by which you and I can go to heaven and experience eternal life as we climb this ladder towards heaven. Have you ever heard the song? Every round goes higher, higher. Jacob, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. Every round goes higher, higher. Every round, higher, higher. Every round goes higher. And it's, and it's talking about how in our Christian walk, God is constantly trying to bring us higher. He's trying to sit, bring you higher in your walk. And we must climb this ladder in this walk with Christ, and as we climb higher, then we can experience perfection in Christ. Notice what the Bible says, 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 4. Now, before we read, I want to ask you a question. Did God give a promise to Isaac, or rather to Jacob? Did God give a promise to Jacob? Yes, he did. He said, I'm going to give you this land. Did he not? He said, he's going to give him the land. So God has also given us promises. And notice what these promises in the Bible, these scriptures in the word is able to do for us. Verse four, it says, whereby are given unto us, exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust so the Bible says that we are given precious promises and by these what are we able to do escape the corruption that is in the world through lust So the reason why individuals give into temptation is because they're not laying hold on the promise of God. Think about that. When you tell a child, I'm going to give you a cookie at seven o'clock. What is that child doing? That child begins to anticipate that time. That child is watching the clock. And then at at four o'clock, that child comes to you and says, remember, you said you're going to give me a cookie at seven o'clock, right? The child reminds you of the promise that you made to that child. And we must become converted and be like little children if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. You are to remind God of the promises of his word and as you remind him it shows God that you really believe my promises, that you really believe my word. We must remind God of what he's already said. This is the the means by which even in prayer we are to remind God. And as we hold on to the promises we won't doubt God, we won't become discouraged when trials come and we will be able to have faith in the promise And lay hold on it to keep it that we don't give in to temptation, that you don't give in to sin. This is what the promise is able to do, it is able to provide a way of escape from lust, from sin, from deception, from everything pertaining to this world. Remember, the Bible says, there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as coming to man, that God is able, with the temptation, to make a way of Escape, But what is the way of escape? It's the word of God. The way of escape from temptation, the way of escape from trial, from tribulation is the promise. Is the promise. What do you think kept Joseph when he was in prison for rape and the future didn't look bright for him? What do you think kept him? The promise of God. God also gave him a promise through a dream. Are you with me? Didn't he know that his brothers would all bow down to him one day? So because of the dream, it was also a promise. That is a means by which God will communicate with his children. And that promise assured him, look, it's going to get better. Just be faithful in this position because I got another position for you later on. So we have to be faithful in that which is least, and when God sees we are faithful in that which is least, then God says, okay, now I can promote you. Are you with me? And in the process of time, God was teaching Joseph administration. While he worked in Potiphar's house, managing his affairs, as he worked in the jail, managing the affairs of the jail, God was teaching him administration and how to be an industrious man, how to use his time wisely, how to be faithful in the, what appeared to be small tasks to prepare him to be a faithful man in Pharaoh's house and manage the affairs of Egypt. So we must understand in every position, God is teaching, God is educating, and we must ask, what are you teaching me, Lord? So the promise, we must hold on to these promises, and that is what will keep us in the trial, in the difficulty, in the challenges of life, in the temptation, the promise we must hold to, and commit them to memory. When God gives you a dream, write it down and take and, and remember that dream. Whether you keep it in the, in the clipboard of your notebook, in the clipboard of your phone, in the keep a journal. When God gives you a dream, write it down. Often he's foretelling Things concerning the future not every dream is from God but God is giving dreams to his children in these last days notice what it says as we continue we're in second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 now it says and beside this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue so what's the first round in the ladder faith the first round in this ladder cuz this these character traits are all Christ all of these character traits on the ladder are Christ but you have to take it step by step and in as you walk with Christ now your faith is going to be tested you you're going to have situations where okay lord i'm going to trust your word i'm going to trust you to do what your word says which well for example the lord says I want you to keep the Sabbath. Okay, Lord, but my employer is telling me they're gonna fire me if I don't work on Saturday. So you have to have the faith to believe if God is given a command, he's gonna provide whatever you need by your obedience. He's able to open another door if the door shuts at that job. That's where we have to have the faith to believe God can do something else. God can do a miracle for me. God can put a check in the mailbox and pay my bills, even if I don't get a job. This is the faith that we need in these last days, where we trust the word of God, we take God at his word, and believe the unseen. We believe what we cannot see, but what the word of God says. Why, because faith is the substance Of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is what you're believing and hoping God can do, but you can't see it with the naked eye, but you believe it because the Word of God says it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We must trust the Word of God. This is the first step. When you do trust God, God will give you a testimony of your trusting Him. The Bible says that they overcame him, talking about Satan, they overcame him by the word of God, I'm sorry, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. When you truly trust the word and you have that experience where you don't make an excuse because the opposite of faith is presumption. The opposite of faith is the second temptation that Jesus came, I'm sorry, that Satan came to Jesus with when he was in the wilderness. He tempted Jesus to presume on the word of God. He said, cast yourself off and the Lord will catch you. And then he gave, he quoted a promise to him. He quoted up a part of the word of God. But then Jesus then responded to that scripture, with scripture by saying, God says you should not tempt me. So he quoted scripture back to Satan showing us that we should not be presumptuous on the word of God. What does that mean? Well, if a person says, "Well, you know, you know the Lord knows, I got to I got to pay the bills. I got to feed my family. So it's okay if I work on the Sabbath this once. It's okay if I work this Friday night. It's okay if I work this Sabbath, you know, or it's okay if I don't do you know, don't do this when the Word of God says don't, don't do that, and you're violating the Word of God. No. Presumption makes an excuse rather than obey. Presumption makes an excuse rather than obey. Let's use an example of King Saul. King Saul was told, slay all of the Amalekites. But what did he say? No, we, the people have kept the animals so that they can perform sacrifices. But God said, kill everything. That means kill everything, no excuses. Not adding and saying, well, we can keep some of the animals so we can perform, sacrifice." no, God says kill them all. Saul was being presumptuous by thinking he could keep the animals alive and use them for sacrifices when God says kill everything. So that is what is meant by being presumptuous. We don't wanna presume and make excuse from obedience. Now, Next on the list, it says, we're in verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, it says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. So the question should be asked, what is virtue? Can anyone answer? What is virtue? Virtue is power. That's what virtue is. Not until you begin to walk by faith and have a testimony of God doing something, then you receive power. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Those who are born again, they receive power. You do not receive power until you 100% surrender to Jesus, that's when you receive power. When you fully surrender, when you are fully consecrated and you say, okay, Lord, I give up. I'm not gonna fight you no more, Lord, I give up. Isn't that the experience, brothers and sisters? We must fully give up and surrender and say, Lord, whatever your will is, I'm willing to do it. That must be the experience. And then you receive virtue, then you receive power. The woman had an issue of blood. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment. And she she fought through the crowd and touched the hem of, didn't even touch him, touched the hem of his garment. And he said, I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. When you begin to walk by faith, then the power comes. When you trust the word of God in that trial that you go through the fire in, then that's when the power comes. That's when the power comes. So that's what virtue is. Virtue is power. The power to live above sin. The power to be overcome sin. This is why 2 Peter 3 in verse five says, in verse one through four, it lists a whole list of sins in the church. And then it says in verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from search, turn away. In other words, they don't have this virtue. They're professing. They're having church service. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're doing religious activities, but they lack the power. And he's not talking about those who are just sincerely seeking the Lord and haven't received the power yet but he's talking about those who are living like hypocrites where you knowingly going to sleep with so and so when you know you have no business over there you knowingly are stealing or taking advantage of this person or that person where church is just a form it becomes just an activity to do hypocrite lacking the virtue Lacking the virtue, that's what the scribes and Pharisees, they were lacking the virtue. They didn't really believe the scriptures because if they believed the scriptures, they would have received Christ. They would have accepted Christ as their savior. Add to virtue, knowledge. Add what to virtue? Knowledge. What is knowledge? The word of God. We said Proverbs two and verse six which says, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. That's Proverbs 2 and verse 6. So knowledge is the word of God, meaning you need to be reading and studying the word of God. And as you read and study the word of God, you're going to find that the word of God talks about the gift of prophecy. Or the gift of the spirit of prophecy. And then as you understand the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, that that gift was manifested through a woman by the name of Ellen White and you're gonna to begin to read her books. You're gonna to begin to read Steps to Christ, Christ's Object Lessons, Ministry of Healing, Acts of the Apostles, Great Controversy, Prophets and Kings, Patriarchs and Prophets, The Desire of Ages. You're gonna read those books in connection with reading your Bible because those books are a part of the preparation for the last generation that is a part of the knowledge that they need, that they may understand the Word of God correctly. You read the Word of God with those books. Patriarchs and Prophets, the first half of the Old Testament. Prophets and Kings, the second half of the Old Testament. Desire of Ages, that's the Gospel. Acts of the Apostles, most of the Old Testament, I'm sorry, most of the New Testament. And then, great controversy, Daniel and Revelation. And as you read it with the Bible, now, you're gaining the information that God wants you to have for the last generation. And after you read the Conflict of Ages series, which is what those five books are called that I just mentioned, after you read the Conflict of Ages series, then you are to read the Testimonies for the Church, volume one through nine. Again, after you read the Conflict of Ages series, then you are to read the Testimonies for the Church, volume one through nine. Now, many today will say, oh, I wanna know what's gonna happen in the last day events. So they go by the book, the compilation book, last day events, and they start reading that book. If you read that book, you're gonna to come to an incorrect understanding of the events, the last day events. There's been insinuations by that compilation, by the general conference, or by the translators, not translators, by the compilers of that book, who inserted theories, that were not founded upon scripture, that were not founded in the writings of Ellen White. For example, chapter 10 of the book Last Day Events has a title called The Little Time of Trouble. The Little Time of Trouble, that phrase was put by the compilers in that book. Sister White never used the phrase one time. The pioneers of our church never used the phrase one time none of the leading men that preached the third angel's message from the beginning never used the phrase with that doctrine comes false teaching little time of trouble leads one to believe i must buy property store my food between the little time right before the mark of the beast and that's a lie that's false doctrine and false teaching we have a full video explaining that where i i, I the question was asked um, in the title of the video it says Ellen White Ellen White answers the question should we store food in 2020? Something like that. Ellen White answers the question should we store food in 2020? Something like that. And I, Or should we store food for the little time of trouble? Should we store food? And I expose the error of that teaching. That teaching is nowhere in our Pioneer's materials nor in Ellen White's writings. So Don't read compilations so much if you want to understand the chronological order of things. If you want to understand the chronological order of the last day events, read the book, Great Controversy. If you want to understand the chronological order of last day events, read the book, Great Controversy. Do not read the book, Last Day Events. You're going to get an incorrect understanding of the order of events. And there's also other things that are error in that book. I'm not gonna get into that all right now, but I want us to understand what true knowledge is so that we we aren't deceived by men. So it's very important to understand that. So add to your faith virtue, then the virtue, knowledge. Then as you are acquiring knowledge, God wants you to experience temperance. What is temperance? It means where you don't spend all your time studying eight hours a day, but you understand that the body needs manual labor, that the body needs, you know, to be able to be active, whether it be exercise, whether it be cutting the grass, whether it be doing the dishes, whether it's, you know, whatever, whatever chores in the home is needed, everyone in the home has a part to play, even the children, amen, especially the children where we have a society that has fostered video games as the educational or entertainment tool for children when video games have no place in the home of those that are preparing for eternity, that are preparing for heaven. So children need to understand how to do practical things. You have children today that grow up, they don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean the bathroom. They don't know how to, you know, they don't know how to do anything. Why? Because they they have a video game or or they just got a doll in their hand. Children need to know how to do practical things. And it is the responsibility of parents to teach the children how to do practical things. Video games are destroying our society. Destroying. should not be in the home of the Christian. Temperance. That means you're going to bed early. You're going to bed. You know, not after one o'clock but you're trying to get in the bed by 10 o'clock, amen? Not only that about temperance, temperance involves self-control in the diet. Self-control in the diet, where you understand, okay, I got to put away the unclean foods. Once you've done that, then I got to put away flesh foods as a whole. I even got to put away the cheese and the cow's milk and the eggs. I got to put those things away. The growth to understand, I got to eat like Daniel if I want to pass the judgment at the mark of the beast. If I want to have the spiritual stamina to stand when the mark of the beast is in force, I gotta live like Daniel. In Daniel chapter one, Daniel purposed in his heart, he would not defile himself with wine, meaning no alcoholic beverage, no coffee, no green tea, no black tea, no energy drinks, no, um, how you call it, Red Bull, Monster all these caffeinated beverages remove refusing the caffeinated products why because caffeine is a drug the same way we shouldn't smoke tobacco as christians and smoke marijuana as christians we should not be drinking caffeine so that means not going to starbucks amen amen not at least not for um not for any caffeinated products not for any coffee so temperance when you understand temperance that means you're using you're making a judicious use of that which is good for the body and you're refusing to partake of that which destroys the body that which harms the body temperance when you are able to have self-control in what you eat and what you drink then you are able to be patient when you can be hungry and refuse food, like Jesus did in the wilderness, then we can be patient, but not until then. Temperance, self-control in the diet and the refusal of all these spices, like nutmeg, like cayenne pepper. You know, cayenne pepper is a herb that is used for sickness, not so much for cooking, amen? Now, if somebody's sick and you put some cayenne pepper in the food, there's nothing wrong with that but i'm talking about the the everyday use of spicy foods generally the the use of spicy foods you'll have an impers- impatient person is what the result will be an impatient person they'll be rash they'll get upset quickly they'll be quick tempered and i'm I, the, this is very important that we understand this latter because it's talking about growth in our christian walk is what it's describing so temperance as one is temperate in their diet then you can have patience the, patience doesn't come without temperance so if i don't want to lash out at somebody that mistreats me or if i don't want to lash out at this person for whatever reason i gotta ask myself am i being temperate in the way that i eat when you talk about temperance a person should really only eat when it's time to eat. That's what the Bible teaches. The children of Israel ate twice a day. And temperance means not eating between meals. No snacking. No, you know, oh, somebody just comes in with with a piece of something. Oh, you want a piece of this? And we just eat it up. No, we got to be able to say it's not time to eat yet. But I'll take some for later and eat when it's time for me to eat. But when we're snacking between meals, you'll understand that you're overworking the stomach organs. And by the lack of self-control in appetite, there'll be a lack of self-control in patience, in the temper. So temperance means it is best to eat two meals a day. Now, if somebody's doing very hard labor, they may need to eat three times a day, and I understand that. But there needs to be at least five to six hours between meals. There needs to be at least five to six hours between meals. And all these things I can show you from the word, but we won't go into all that. Just watch our health series. We have a health playlist called Secrets of Healing, Secrets of Natural Healing. And all this is described in our playlist on our YouTube channel, Saving Health Ministries. The playlist title is called Secrets of Natural Healing. After patience, you have godliness, godliness. God wants us to be like him, amen? to live like him, then for if you can be patient, then you can be long suffering with somebody. Somebody's continuing to do the wrong thing over and over and over. You, they can do it over and over and over, and it can get to the point where it doesn't get under your skin anymore. Why? Because now you're able to be patient with them and now you're being like God. You're able to bear long with their wrongs You're able to bear long with their sin. Why? Because you've been climbing this ladder. So this is the the ladder of Christian growth that we are to grow up into Christ. And I'm talking, this is every round is higher, higher. Every round is more self-denial. Every round is self-dying that Christ may rise. After godliness, brotherly kindness. You're going to be kind to people. You're going to be meek and lowly like Jesus. Amen? Because this brotherly kindness brings to view meekness, brings to view being meek. Where even though you have the right to do something or it is your time to do something, you're able to say, oh, you can go ahead. Sorry. We're able to be meek and allow others to take the first. You notice how Abraham gave Lot the first choice? When actually Lot should have said, no, you go. You, you pick where, we're gonna, where you're going to live and then I'll go the other. It showed meekness. When a person is meek, they don't have to have the last word in a conversation or in a, or in a disagreement. They don't have to have the last word. They're able to, okay, they're able to esteem others better than themselves. Brotherly kindness, not being rude, not being mean, but being kind. Even in a disagreement. You know that you can exhibit brotherly kindness even when you disagree with someone? I've seen brethren disagree on scripture and be kind about it. You don't have to be angry with the individual just because you don't agree on the scripture. You're, you, if if we have the spirit of Christ, you can be kind and disagree. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing, but, but exhibiting the character of Christ in the disagreement. And then charity, charity. Unconditional love where in spite of the wrong, in spite of the mistreatment, in spite of them doing whatever to you, you're able to love them unconditionally. The same way God loves us. Where God loves us unconditionally. No matter what we do, God doesn't say, well, because you didn't obey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you money this week to pay your bills. I'm not gonna provide a job for you. It's when you were out there sitting and doing whatever, God still provided for you. His reign is upon the just and the unjust. So we must have this same unconditional love, regardless of what someone does, you love them with the charity that God has given you. And you can only give this love